uh, good to be here this morning. Thankful to be in God's house. Trust you've had a good week in the Lord. I know I have. And uh, I, I, I've talked with, with a few, and uh, a message is, is like preparing a meal. Uh, and this week, there, there's, there's been some spiritual bread baking in my oven. And uh, I am thankful for my study this week. We'll be back into the book of Ezekiel. We'll look into Ezekiel chapter number 18. Uh, the last time we preached from Ezekiel, we're going to read most of this chapter, so I don't want to ask you to stand at the moment. You can remain seated. But the last time we looked in the book of Ezekiel, we saw back in chapter 17 how Ezekiel had been the prophet God used to prophesy his judgment upon Israel who had fallen away from their love with the Lord and Israel who had turned to their wicked ways and ungodliness. And so Ezekiel, being a prophet of judgment, he talks to him about the tender branch, as we uh, pointed to, and how that tender branch, being Jesus Christ, he is the one by which we gain our salvation. He's the one that died uh, for our sins. He's the one that laid down his life willingly so that I do not have to face uh, an answer for my sin uh, because if I could, there's nothing I could, out of my own power could do uh, to save myself. It's only through and by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we see that theme in chapter 17, and we begin here in verse eight, or chapter 18, verse number 1. I'll read most of this chapter. Ezekiel 18, verse number 1. The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What mean ye? that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord, ye shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But if a man be just, and do that which is lawful and right, he hath not eaten upon the mountains, neither hath lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, neither hath defiled his neighbor's wife, neither hath come near to a menstruous woman, and hath not oppressed any, but hath restored to the debtor his pledge, hath spoiled none by violence, hath given his bread to the hungry, and hath covered the naked with a garment. He that hath not given forth upon usury, neither hath taken any increase, that hath withdrawn his hand from iniquity, hath executed true judgment between man and man, hath walked in my statutes, and hath kept my judgments to deal truly, he is just. He shall surely live, saith the Lord. If he beget a son that is a robber, a shedder of blood, and that doeth the like to any one of these things, and that doeth not any of those duties, but even hath eaten upon the mountains, and hath defiled his neighbor's wife, hath oppressed the poor and needy, hath spoiled by violence, hath not restored the pledge, and hath lifted up his eyes to the idols, hath committed abomination, hath given forth upon usury, and hath taken increase, shall he then live? He shall not live. He hath done all these abominations. He shall surely die. 
his blood shall be upon him. Now, lo, if he begat a son that seeth all his father's sins, which he hath done, and considereth, and doeth not such like, that hath not eaten upon the mountains, neither hath lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, hath not defiled his neighbor's wife, neither hath oppressed any, hath not withholden the pledge, neither hath spoiled by violence, but hath given his bread to the hungry, and hath covered the naked with a garment that hath taken off his hand from the poor, that hath not received usury nor increase, hath executed my judgments, hath walked in my statutes. He shall not die for the iniquity of his father. He shall surely live. As for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, spoiled his brother by violence, and did that which is not good among his people, lo, even he shall die in his iniquity. Yet say ye, why doth not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father when the Son hath done that which is lawful and right and hath kept all my statutes and hath done them? He shall surely live. Our key text this morning will come from verse 20 through verse 23. The word says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father Neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him in his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? Brother Sam, would you pray for the message? Amen, amen. Thank you, thank you. That's a lot of scripture, but profitable nonetheless, amen. What a benefit it is that we have this precious word, and the thought this morning comes from Ezekiel 18, this simple thought, the weight of man's own sin. The weight of man's own sin. You know, uh, I feel unworthy in my family when I look at saints that have gone on, the older generations, the great-grandparents, grandparents I've been blessed with, and you look at their faith and you look at how they serve God and how they live for the Lord, I find myself feeling unworthy at times because I've been blessed with such a godly heritage. Anybody else been blessed with a godly heritage? And I look at those people in my family and, and those that have come before me and in a way I wish that I look at them and I wish I could be like them in their spiritual walk and their relationship with the Lord. And I wish that I could be close to the Lord like uh, the little praying grannies and the little loving grandpas and uh, the people that have passed on. I wish I could be like them. But I realize as I'm growing older and, and learning things about life I have not yet seen, 
Brother Donnie, I realized that there was a day where my grandpa or my grandmother, they were just like me. They were learning and they were figuring things out and they were looking to their uh, godly heritage and their grandparents and the people before them and they were seeking and wanting to have the relationship with the Lord like I am myself, looking at someone else and saying, Lord, I just want to be righteous like this. I just want to pray like this. I want to be faithful like this. But we all go through times and seasons in our life where we learn, amen, we learn that uh, they've been through it. They were just like me, young and naive and young and not disciplined and young and impatient. They were all the things I am. I was just blessed to know them when they had grown older and more mature and more wise. And I began to think about that thought of that generation before and the people before me, even in this church I've met and I've known, and I seek to be righteous. I seek to be holy. I seek to, to, to serve God. I seek to pray like Many of you do, especially my elders, ones that I appreciate and I can learn from. But I realized, too, that it was not part of God's plan that your righteousness be passed down to me. It's not God, part of God's plans that your relationship with Him, your righteousness with Him, your, your holiness with Him, your dedication with Him be passed down to your children. It was not part of God's plan that uh, your salvation is pass down to your children, make things a lot easier, amen? It would, selfishly. But I start thinking about that and I realize that while salvation and righteousness and holiness and dedication and humility are not passed down um, in a spiritual sense, I'm thankful that sin is not passed down in any other sense. In the fact that I'm not responsible for those before me, that while they were good people and they were godly people, but just like me, one day they stood in need of a Savior. They stood needing Jesus Christ's blood to be applied to them, just like me. And the story we're seeing here in the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 18, is how God is, is telling that every man will stand individually and give account for his sin. And whether you do right or you do wrong, it's not daddy's fault, granddaddy's fault, grandmama's fault. It's up to you. It's your individual choice to live close to Him, to follow His Word, to seek righteousness and holiness, to seek that, uh, that perfection that we will never attain, but to live your life seeking to live like Christ and be more like Him. That is up to you and upon your shoulders alone. Amen. And praise God that the wickedness done before and the bad things that were done by mom and dad, maybe you weren't blessed, uh, uh, like, like I stand here and can say I, I've been tremendously blessed with, with four grandparents that were wonderful and a number of great-grandparents that were wonderful people, and, and I've been blessed with those things. Maybe you do not find yourself in that position, but the reality is is that the hardship, the sin, the, the bad choices, the mistakes, the hatred, the evil, the, the, the infidelity, uh, the drunkenness, the, the self-righteousness, all those things have not been passed down to you. You're your own person. What a blessing it is. That means that my relationship with God, I can never truly fool myself into thinking that I will stand before him and I will be able to plead the blood of, that's been applied to anyone else. But my relationship with Christ alone is what I will stand before God and I will deal with. I will give account for Josh Boyd. I will not give account for anyone else. I will not give account for, for, for Roger Boyd, my dad, or Glenn Boyd, my grandfather, or Jake Fender, my grandfather. I will not give account for you other than in the sense of the fact that I'm your pastor and there are things that I will give account to God for as your pastor, but I cannot individually give account for your sin, and I cannot individually pass on to you salvation. It is up to you alone. I had this thought this past week. 
Man has become increasingly guilty of deflecting personal guilt of sin. I'll read that slow. Man has become increasingly guilty of deflecting personal guilt of sin. I'll come back to that in just a minute. And has been eternally responsible for the religious practice of self-righteousness based off of another's sin or sanctification. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Verse 20 of Ezekiel 18, it says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Break this verse down for you real quickly. The first thing, think about the reality of, of a soul. You can go back to the book of Genesis and you can read the creation account where God created man and he created Adam there in the garden. And the Bible says that God created Adam from the dust of the ground. And God breathed his breath of life into the nostrils of Adam. And what the Bible will tell you, you can turn over and find it if you don't believe me, what the Bible will tell you is that you'll find that man began to possess, man at that very point possessed, given from God his own individual soul. A spiritual presence that a human being possesses. Something that, that your dog and your cat don't possess. Uh, that's controversial today. Something that, you, uh, that your cows out in the field don't possess. Something that, that creatures don't possess, but something that a human being possesses. It is the spiritual aspect of who you are. God breathed his breath of life into man, and that created in man an individual soul. And that individual soul is possessed by each and every human being living and breathing upon the earth. That one that runs you off the road that you wish, you'd see him in a pothole a mile down the road, don't act like you ain't ever thought it. The preacher done thought about it on the road. Uh, I promise you, you've thought it. That people that do crazy things out, on, uh, out in society that you think, God, where is your judgment? We was just talking this morning, me and my wife, about how uh, there's, a, there's a coven of witches uh, moved out into Leicester. And uh, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Uh, but the reality is, is how wicked our society is. And, and, and you jokingly say things, but in your heart you really mean, uh, God, where is your judgment on these people? But I've got to learn and realize that these people, even though they live against God and they, they rebel against God and they, their heart is hardened against God and, and many of them will die without the love of Jesus Christ in their heart, I must realize and understand that each and every person I come across possesses a soul because uh, all the way back to when God breathed into the nostrils of Adam from then on, uh, although I wasn't uh, brought out of the ground and made from the dust of the ground and God didn't necessarily breathe into my nostrils literally, but he did in the matter of fact of his creation. The way that he set up, the way that we come into this world, God created us. God breathed his soul into us. We all possess a soul. And while some may turn away from God, God and live against God and die, the reality is they still possess a soul. Just like me. Lost just like me. In need of God just like me. I wrote a, a letter of encouragement, I hope, to a, a, someone I grew up with. He's in prison. You pray for him. I wrote a letter of encouragement yesterday to him, and, and I was pleading with him and telling him, I pray that you have accepted Christ as your Savior. And I told him this, and, and, I, and I, I'm not saying this to be mean, but I'm just being honest. I told him this, I said, I'm not writing you and telling you uh, or acting like you're saved. I'm not assuming that you're lost because of your situation. I'm not assuming that you're lost just because you're in prison. The reality is, and I told him this, I said, there are a lot of people inside of the walls of a prison that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And there's a lot of people that never missed a, a service at the local Baptist church that are going to die and go to hell. Amen. 
The reality is, is we get self-righteous about ourselves because mama or daddy, uh, we, we grew up in going to this place or we grew up doing this thing or mom or daddy told us this or did that or daddy was this, daddy was the preacher. Mama, we have to be so careful. Uh, my grandfather was a preacher and for a long time I thought just because I was in a preacher's family that, that I'm going to be uh, delivered into heaven one day because I'm riding in on the coattails of grandma and grandpa. But I had to realize that my soul that I possess in myself is a gift given by God and it's got no one else's name on it alone. It's got my name on it. I will stand before God and I will give, I will give account for my soul alone, my iniquity alone, my sin alone. Everyone possesses a soul. And the outer appearance, the situation, somebody sitting in prison somewhere, it's easy, self-righteous Christian, to think that person standing on the, the side of the road that Geraldine and Angie hand a homeless bag to. It's easy to think about them. And the, their soul is the farthest thing away from what's up in here in your mind. Do we not see people and they look a certain way and we assume, man, they're not a Christian. You ever done that? Am I the only one? They're not a Christian. Look at them. Hey, the reality is every man, woman, child possesses a soul. And it's a gift given by God. The soul is possessed by all, created by God, breathed into Adam, and held by man still today. And it is independent from our family and ancestors, as I've said. My thought around that, and I thought this was going to be the title of my message, but it's not. But the thought around that is your soul is independent from mom and daddy, grandma and grandpa. Their coattails ain't big enough for you. Your coattails ain't big enough for the next generation. You ever heard that saying? Riding in on the coattails? There's a lot of people fooled into thinking that they're going to uh, uh, stroll through heaven's gate on the, the righteousness and sanctification on some, of someone else. This scripture teaches us that every soul, every man, every human being bears his own iniquity. You will answer for you. You will not answer for mom. You will not answer for dad. Good or bad, they may have been the, the salt of the earth. You ever met anybody, you knew their parents, knew their grandparents, and you meet them and you're like, you came from this family? Don't act like you've never done that. You came from this family. I knew your grandpa, man. He was, he was a good fella. Or I knew your grandpa, and I thank the Lord something right got into your head. Your daddy was crazy. Your mama was crazy. Breaking the chain, amen? Thank God that I'm not chained to the righteousness, the sanctification, the salvation of mom and daddy. But I have in myself a free will when the Spirit of God comes and deal, dealt with me about being saved that I could choose to be part of the family of God. And it wasn't based off the coattails of somebody else. I will not stand before him in the righteousness of daddy and mama be what I stand before God and get through on. If that was it, I'd surely be lost because they're just as wicked as me. Mama's going to hear that. She's probably listening. But the righteousness of someone else, I thank God that I don't have to stand and give account. Also, there's a lot of people, you see those people and you think there's righteousness, but it's just religion. You look at mom and dad and they do everything the right way and they go to church and daddy leads the choir and mama teaches us Sunday school and all these things and you look at them and you think they're righteous, but it, it's just religion. Thank God. 
that I stand before him and it's between me and him. He tells him here, Ezekiel tells him, essentially the man that will sin, the man that lives in sin, the man that does wrong, he tells him he will die. What did God tell Adam? God told Adam he would die because of his sin. Not that God would strike him dead right there, but he would come to a point because of sin, his flesh would decay, his flesh would fall apart, his, his flesh would start creaking and cracking, and it'd start getting, some of y'all saying amen on that right there, start falling apart. And you wake up one day and you realize, man, I ain't like I used to be. You start to understand and realize that this life's just temporal. Say, preacher, you're 27-year-old, man. You, you take advantage of it. I told you about my creaking, cracking knees. Sound like Rice Krispies. Hey, you realize and you understand this body is just dying. Why? There's an appointed time. If Christ does not return, I'll draw my last breath. Amen. The wages of sin is death. The man that sins and lives in his sin and hardens his heart against God and lives for himself, what does Ezekiel tell him? That man will die. What does that mean? In judgment before God, he will be damned to an eternal hell. And he tells, here in Ezekiel, he tells the one that would turn to God, the one that would live for God, the one that would, would do the right way, not because, uh, and, and it gives the example of man looking at daddy, and daddy did wrong, and, and, and son turned against the ways that dad tried to live. Uh, we can break the chain of addiction. We can break the chain of sin. We can break the chain of temptation, but it's up to you. What does he say about that man? He says that that man will live. It doesn't mean you'll live upon this earth forever, but you will stand before God, and God will see the salvation of Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ applied to you, and you will live eternally in heaven. See, life and death is not just temporal. It's not just upon this earth. Life and death is eternal. Heaven or hell. Verse 20, once again. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The soul that sinneth, the reality of a soul, look next at the reality of sin. Man is separated from God by his, because of his sin nature. You see these little children, and I see my own, and that's the purest form a human being ever possesses, that little baby. And what you see is that baby grows up, the baby, baby begins to learn, baby begins to understand, and you've got a toddler, and that's as far as I've got so far. I've heard they keep growing. And they get older, and they get older, and they get older, and what happens you try to teach them right from wrong. They sit under the preach God, word of God, take them to Sunday school. What do they do? They eventually sin. Mom and daddy did the same thing, young people. They've been through the same thing, and they know. And when they're telling you, I've been there, I've done that, they know what they're talking about. They've been in the same shoes, like I said earlier. You just weren't around to know them at that point in time in their life. As you get older, you sin and you make mistakes and you do wrong. And then laid upon you, I believe, at that age of accountability, when you know right from wrong, laid upon you is the weight of your sin. God begins to look at you when you sin and you do wrong and you know right from wrong, God looks down upon you and while he loves you and he desires a relationship with you, the weight of your sin, there's a debt to be paid. 
the weight of man's own sin is when he realizes right from wrong. And God looks down, and there's a precious soul that he loves and he, he desires fellowship with. But it's interrupted and broken by sin. And it's your own individual sin. It's easy to look at somebody else, like I read when we first started. Man has been eternally responsible for the religious practice of self-righteousness based off of another's sin or sanctification. If you're not careful when you face the reality of sin, you realize you're separated from God, you will begin to look at other people. And because of their sin, you will tell yourself you're okay. Because you've seen them do wrong. You'll say, well, I'm all right. I'm not doing what they're doing. Or you will see somebody and, 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 and you'll, you'll begin to think that, that you're so good. You go help people and you go uh, give money to people. Or you, you come to church and you do something nice for somebody. And if you're not careful, you will have false sanctification. You will believe that because of the works that you have done, that's what allows you to connect with God. You will face and stand before God and give account for your sins individually. God doesn't want your works all you can do for God cannot do anything for God. All you can do for God cannot do anything for God. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He's God and he gets his glory no matter what. The sun comes up in the morning, God gets his glory. Amen? He doesn't need me, but he wants me. And he desires a relationship with me. And it can't be based off of false sanctification thinking I know him and thinking I'm all right with him because of all the good things I've done. Because of all the people I've patted on the back. And it also can't be because I'm better than somebody else. To look down at somebody else and say, I ain't doing that. You see what they get into? You see the sin they're in? I, hey, I know I'm all right because I... I ain't doing what old so-and-so is doing. And eventually what you start doing is you start acting like old Sandballot. If you don't know who Sandballot is, look at the book of Nehemiah. Sandballot stood against Nehemiah when God told Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of Jericho. What did Sandballot do? If you read the story about Sandballot, he went and got his cronies. He had to go get a group. He had to go get a crew to stand against God's man. And what you'll start doing, you look at other people's sins, is you'll start talking to other people about other people's sins to make you feel good about where you stand. God will look upon you and you'll give account for you. And if your whole life you have convinced yourself you're better than somebody else because you don't do the sin they do, you will die and go to hell. If your whole life you have said, well, I'm so good for all these works I've done and Jesus Christ has never came into your soul, you'll die and go to hell. He does not need us, but he loves us. We're separated from him by sin he sent his son Jesus Christ to have a relationship with him, fellowship with him. The reality of sin. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. And he looks upon us, and he doesn't care how much we can do. He doesn't care how, how, how much more religious we act than other people. He just looks to see if the blood of Christ has been applied on your do doorpost. The reality of sin. Got to hurry. I know, I'm sorry. We all possess free will and we can choose how we walk and live regardless of inherited influences. You have a choice to be 
different than mom or dad, and you might have the, the salt-of-the-earth parents. You might have salt-of-the-earth grandparents, but I'm sure if they're godly people, they'll tell you, do better than me. Do better than me. Hey, I've, I've been blessed with good people, but they'll still, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, I want you to do differently than I've done. If they're good people, if they're godly people, they'll tell you, don't live based off of me. Live based off of what the Lord tells us. Use my mistakes as an example and a guide. The coattails ain't big enough. God righteously and justifiably deals with our sin. And we're not dealt with based off of anyone else's sin, but our own alone. I like what one man said about this text. He said, the only innocent son God has ever punished is his own son when he laid our guilt on Christ. The only innocent son. When you stand before God, you will not be innocent. The only ones are these little babies that God takes, takes on to heaven. I, I, I don't know why. I can't explain why. These little ones, I believe God accepts them right into his arms. They've never made choice, bad choice. They've never uh, decided to sin. They've never done wrong. God takes them right into his arms. And I thank God for that. Can't tell you why. But God in his loving mercy... Those are the only innocent ones and his son Jesus Christ. Certainly innocent and certainly pure in every form and every fashion. Was God made man? That was the only innocent one he's ever put to death. I'll never stand before God innocent of my own accomplishments. But I will stand before God innocent because of the blood of Jesus Christ. What a blessing that is. That brings us to verse 21. As we wrap this up this morning, the redemption of our Savior. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Remember, we were talking about how that's a spiritual nature. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? You say, well, at a glance, this text really makes it seem like if I live right, if I do right, that I will, uh, I'll be accepted by God. But what you find is that first, redemption is offered to the repentant man. But if the wicked will turn away from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right. He shall surely live, he shall not die. Some people will skim through this so fast, they'll begin to make, they almost make you think that by your works, you can have a relationship and fellowship with God. But he tells us here that, that, that a repentant person, one that would turn away from their sin, one that would turn away from dad's sin and grandpa's sin and the sin of the ancestors before, one that would turn away from those things and repent and ask God into their heart to be saved, that's the one who will surely live, a repentant man. Redemption is also exemplified in, adher in, in adherence to righteousness. Somebody that truly has regeneration and salvation on the inside will want to live for God. They will seek relationship and righteousness with God. Now, we all fall away at times, and we all uh, there's, there's backslidden Christians. I don't believe that, that the type of salvation that we have is a salvation that I can lose, amen. I've got a salvation that's secured in the hand of God, and there's a lot of 
of Christian people that have fallen away that are backslidden and they, they are sitting at home today or they're sitting in a church today backslidden and they're bitter and they're angry and they're frustrated because they've fallen out on the relationship with God. And the reality is, is what we see is that when we're saved, we turn away uh, and we confess our sins and we turn away from the wickedness and righteousness comes in. And the little bit, because the soul has been regenerated, the little bit of goodness that we possess because of Jesus Christ will make you want to desire for live, to live for God. And if you're backslidden against God, you're going to be miserable. You're going to, I mean, you're going to hate life. There's nothing worse than a, than, than, than a bitter and backslidden Christian. Lost people are just lost. Saved people serving God are just blessed. Backslidden Christians, they hate their life and they hate everything around them because they know that there's something they need to be doing. They know they need to be walking on path and hand in hand with Jesus Christ. Redemption is not given for us to simply say we're better than an ancestor. If I'm better than daddy, I'm better than mom. But so that we might live out our redemption. Redemption, redemption is not just a religious performance. You have not been saved, called out and set apart, redeemed by the blood of Christ, just so you can put on a religious performance. Just so you can come and sit in a pew and dress a certain way and do a certain thing, sing a certain song. Shake the preacher's hand, make yourself feel good about yourself, and go out living week to week thinking, well, I, I checked all these boxes. That's not how God works. The way in which God works is God wants to see your redemption lived out. And I'm afraid there's a lot of people that think they have redemption, but they tick religious boxes, and either they're backslidden, blinded by the world, or they've never been saved to begin with. Search yourself, because you will give account for yourself. God looks upon you, and it's your iniquity and sin alone that you're accountable for. Praise God. But also, that debt is greater than I can pay. Be sure the blood of Christ has been applied upon your heart. Redemption is not just a religious performance. Redemption offers a forget, forgotten kind of forgiveness. Brother Sam, if you come to the piano, if you don't mind. Verse 22, all his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness... That he hath done, he shall live. The redemption given by our Savior is a forgotten kind of forgiveness. Your sin that you walk up in here with, that nobody else can see. Uh, hey, there's some sin that's deep inside. There's some sin that bears itself out for everyone to see. But that sin that in yourself that you believe no one else knows about, no one else can see, no one else could even fathom or think of, it is God that looks down upon you and he sees that sin. And you individually are responsible for that sin. Somebody's going to have to help me preach on that this morning because you are responsible. Stand with me if you will. You are held accountable for yourself alone. But I plead with you if you've never been saved, it's a forgotten kind of forgiveness. When he saves, he forgives and he forgets. Cast as far as the east is from the west. If you've never accepted Christ, that sin that you bear and you carry, I've done this, I've done that, I'm not good enough. Why else would he have sent his beloved son? Our God's a serious God, amen? He would not send his son, as the Bible tells us, to be the propitiation of our sins. In other words, think about being him, Jesus Christ being our replacement. That letter I wrote yesterday, you pray for that young man. 
And I'm not patting on myself on the back for sending them a letter. I'm going to be honest with you. Due to my relationship in the past, it was hard to do. But God struck my heart and said, you need to reach out. I was thinking about Barabbas. That's what I was telling this young man. You ever think about Barabbas? There was a cross on Calvary's hill with Barabbas' name on it. And Jesus Christ being the propitiation of our sins. He went and he was nailed to that tree in place of Barabbas. Are we not Barabbas? Do we not stand in a courtroom one day guilty of such great sin? And in his love and compassion, the lowly, meek man from Nazareth come and willingly nailed himself. Literally. He's in control of all things. He was nailed to the cross for Barabbas, but also insert your name here. And when he forgives, God looks at us and sees our separation. And our separation is because of sin. And when the blood is applied, we begin fellowship with God. Who's the bridge? Jesus Christ. He bridges the gap and creates an opportunity of fellowship with God. And because of his sacrifice, God never sees the sin that we carried to the cross. He's a serious God. He wouldn't put his son to death to forgive and hound you for your sin. But he forgives and it's forgotten. Verse 23, it says, Have I any pleasure? At all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live. I ask you in this moment, did you need to be reminded today of what God did for you by sending his son? Maybe you stand there thinking, I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give account for what I've done maybe in the last week. Christian will give account for the choices we've made since he saved us. I believe we'll stand before God and I will have to confess, Lord, I didn't do enough. I didn't do these things. I didn't. But his son Jesus says, that's my own child. And I'm still not worthy today, but through the blood of Christ, I'm redeemed. But if you stand in this moment without accepting Christ, you'll stand before him and you'll give account of you individually, the sins you have committed, the wrong you have done. You say, well, I've not done anything wrong. Spirit's still working on you then. There'll come a day you realize, man, how messed up and how wicked I am. Do not give account to God for your wickedness without Christ. Have you thought of eternity and how long that is? Without God, that's a bleak and dark thought. 